Amazing. Karin and Sophia, thank you for being on the podcast. Really, really excited to have you guys on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, super excited. Awesome. And by the way, I did a lot of research and I didn't, well, maybe I didn't do as much research as I should, but I didn't come across a lot of podcasts that you guys have been in. No. A lot of interviews, a lot of YouTube videos, but not necessarily a lot of podcasts. That's probably true. Interesting. Some Swedish ones, though, but uh, some Swedish ones. uh, But I think also, I mean, I don't know where to start really, but we also had a few years where we haven't really talked so much about the brand. We haven't been out there too much. And I think it's maybe been also the prime time of the podcasts being out and about perhaps. Mm -hmm. And we have chosen to be a bit more quiet during a few years. So maybe that Mm -hmm. goes hand in hand. Hmm. Okay. And just to get everything started, could you guys give a very brief introduction on who you guys are and what you do? Uh, you don't have to be very in deep, go into very in-depth. I know your story has been put out there quite a lot in detail. So if guys, people are interested, they are more than welcome to do that. But just so that people know who they're going to be sort of like learning from and listening to today. Okay. So, I mean, we started, we founded the company 2005 and we were three sisters starting it and uh, I mean we came from three different uh, directions in a way and when we gathered together we kind of talked to about okay so we all want to do this uh, building our own new brand and uh, why do we want that and uh, how come we are all in this business together so yeah we had a discussion about it and then we found out that well it's actually our grandmother who inspired us and her Mm -hmm. name was and that's why the whole story started with her in a way. Mm-hmm. And what she did with us, she took care of us when we were kids. And she was a, um, a tailor and she was sewing a lot and she was uh, knitting a lot. And uh, she she taught us all this stuff. And She also had a great personality. Yeah. She, uh, she saw life uh, very positive and she made people feel very good about themselves. And she had all these values that we wanted to bring into the company as well. Mm. And uh, I think that's it was super clear to us when we started um, House of Dagmar. That's that's her name that we was wanted to honor. And Karin, you are the biggest sister out of us three, and you're the CEO now. Mm. And uh, I'm the youngest. I'm Sophia, and I'm the brand director. Yeah. Interesting. So everything started out of the aspiration for a person turned into the aspiration to start a brand. Mm. and was there anything other than the inspiration behind your grandmother was there a very specific opportunity or business opportunity that you spotted and then just connected with the overall vision that you guys were inspired by I think we are very inspired from our family first first and foremost I think it's from both our mother and our father in different ways our father was or is an entrepreneur he started his own businesses. I think I've always known that I was going to have my own business. I never thought I was going to be employed. That was just never in my that was never in my mind. I always knew I was going to be working for myself or you know doing something that I started. So for me, that was just kind of a given. Uh, and from my mother's perspective, she's she's a humanist and she she taught us very much to buy less, buy better. Um, she took care of everything from the nature and cooked uh, for us from the nature, from, you know, from farming to, you know, going and deer hunts, like that type of situation where you take care of everything that you get uh, mm. from that 
color from the from the plants uh, and really use the whole, everything uh, the best way you can. And I think that was something that that's how we have always lived our life. Mm. And that's something that we really wanted to bring with us when we started Dagmar, because that was the only philosophy we know mm. how to live. It was very obvious for us. I think when we started the business that that's how our brand is going to be as well. Yeah, I think we felt that we really wanted to do something like by 2005, we talked a lot about longevity and how can we build a fashion brand that still has a product that is, you know, still strong a few mm. many years uh, and, and not being like on the the fly of the season type mm. of product. So yeah. we just want what we want to want to both to have this fashion vibe and still yeah, a long live, long longevity. Life. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and I, that's both from our parents. And so I think like the grandmother was like the name, and she was some inspiration. But I think also our parents had two different sides that the inspiration came from them as well, and just the way we live our lives. But uh, I think it's just become very, very natural for mm. us. Mm. And then we, I mean, we put up pillars like okay well, let's start the company with three pillars about quality in in everything we do high quality in both choice of fabrics in in the production and also caring about animals and mm-hmm. and, and the humans working with the productions and then also how can we do a long level high quality with the design so we talked a lot about all this stuff and mm-hmm. then later on like five five years later this word sustainability came to the business. And then we were like, wow, this is actually what we are doing. This is what we're working with. And now suddenly one it word. It just has a name now. It all came down to it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's really like the inspiration, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Interesting. And was the vision and the inspiration very specific from the very, very beginning? Or did it have to evolve? for it to be by be adapted by other people or in the marketplace? Because I understand it was a very organic process, right? Like there was admiration for your grandmother. That admiration had a very specific life philosophy, and I'm guessing creative and design philosophy attached to it. And that philosophy was eventually what drove you to just convert a philosophy into an actual tangible brand. But how specific was the vision starting off and did it evolve at all throughout time? Or was it, this is what we're going to do and it actually worked straight on? Or was it something that you guys have to sort of like iterate and improve on from the very, very beginning? I think, I mean, both Karin and our other sister Christina have been working at H&M for many, many years with fast fashion. And I think both of you guys were very tired from that. And you felt that you've been working with that so much that something else had to happen. And they were so inspired of going, doing the opposite of that. That didn't feel modern for them anymore. They just felt like they need to get away from that. So that's when they started to talk about starting their own brand. And that's when they asked me to join in. uh, And we had all of these discussions. If you ask our mother, we've been discussing this brand since we were young around the kitchen table, but that's when we really started to be talking. And I think the inspiration and, and like the, the planning of the brand already were set then that it was going to be a, a fashion brand with a high quality. Uh, we want to be reachable, but still in a premier and higher segments. 
And I think because we love quality, we're quality nerds. So we really feel that it has to be something that has a high quality. And then, of course, the prices are going to be accordingly. Hmm. But then we want to be unreachable as well. Uh, so it's all of that, all of those combinations put into like one thought, yeah, one starting yeah. it. We were also when we started. There was the the business was so much about logos. I I remember Gucci and Tom Ford was designing for Gucci, and they were Mark by Mark and Mark Jacobs, and it was like logos and branding and all these, you know, everywhere. We just wanted to do the opposite, like no branding, just like the luxury feeling of a fantastic, sophisticated garment. This was our big vision of of creating. The design actually and hmm. um, so so it, it uh, and then it's like we're three sisters we live in stockholm we live and uh, breathe this lifestyle we have here and we're very close to the nature but we're also close to, to the city and we want we felt that we wanted to have a uh, clothes that aspired in our lifestyle as well that we could wear in our daily wear we could wear it to work we could go out for a glass of wine with a friend after work go and drop the kids off in school or like living this life but you have to be able to wear the same clothes and feel good about yourself during this mm. whole day. So I think that's also something that was put into this. Yeah, a lot of our work into the garment is is actually to give the wearer like a, a good consciousness or good feeling, you know, mm. uh, give them yeah, confidence. We want to, like, confidence in our, our, and yeah. we want to empower their feeling, to empower mm. them, the wearer of the garment in yeah. a way. Interesting. Yeah, I, I understand. And it's almost as it's not only empowerment through personal connection, but also connection through the environment that they're in. Yeah, to feel that they are, they feel good in the clothes that they wear. They feel good in the quality. It feels nice in the body. It feels nice how the, the garment fits your body. It feels that you, if you like fashion, like nice clothes, it also feels that you you have some type of sense of fashion you're interested you know what you're looking for so you have all of these different things that makes you feel a certain way mm. we can make anyone more confident by doing that that's when we've achieved something i think cool yeah and i guess what have you learned about the importance of consistency in your vision and your principles because i mean the brand's going to be what 20 years and two years and staying consistent with the original principles, the original foundations is extraordinarily difficult. So what have you learned about branding and the consistency of branding and communication and principles over long periods of time? Stick to your vision and really try to stick to what you have as your original plan. If you believe it, not letting too many other people maybe tell you that you're, or you're on the wrong path. Because it's so easy to, certain things happen along the road. I feel it's easy to listen to other people. And at least that's what we did. We listened to a lot of people that gave us advices. And we thought maybe their advice was was better than our feeling and our thoughts. And I think we had a very clear vision and clear path from the beginning. But it's like I have said for a few years now, I feel like I'm eight, nine years behind schedule because we did some we did take some wrong turns and we did take some wrong decisions during these years that have mm. made us get to where we are today yeah and also the business i mean the market has changed you know the i mean the whole uh, 
change of going from physical stores and shopping in physical stores going to or to 2018 everything went over to digital shopping so a lot of our customers kind of disappeared and uh, we have to do uh, like a new uh, strategy so the whole those years were very much like uh, starting all over again <laughs> yeah we had to start over and it was kind of good because we didn't like where we were then and mm. and kind of restarted the company you and I the last three and a half years I think so we have really done a lot the last three years that is so we are on a new path you could say mm, interesting yeah and um when when you mentioned the biggest mistakes that or the mistakes that you've made along your career has this been the biggest and most prominent one just not adapting to the um to the online sales momentum fast enough yeah also taking a wrong path in our customer i think we we started to to grow quite quickly mm. uh, and we had also always a quite clear vision to sell internationally with the with the brand because we knew that the customers were not so many in sweden who could maybe afford to afford but there was not many people enough to so we could grow in sweden so we always yeah. felt that to go internationally and I think uh, we grew very, very quickly in Sweden when we started and uh, I think that also became sometimes maybe the customer that was not the customer we had originally planned for mm. and then the demand was something else than we had made the clothes for so the demand is changing and we are give we're continuing what we were doing and the demand is something else and we're not mm. delivering what the demand was and that became like a clinch i think mm, yeah, yeah very much. does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah. what what period was this was it when the brand had just started or 10 years five no, years, no, years? Like 10 years, ten off, years off, like yeah yeah and, and, then, and what yeah go ahead sorry yeah so after this change in the like digital digitalization we kind of had to re restart or like rethink a new strategy and then we we made like our own, you know, we want to rule the 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 brand. Mm. No one else can rule it. So so we are growing through our own channels. And then of course we're growing now exports uh, through like uh, other retailers, but then it's like luxury retailers. And then it's more as a partner and more just a slight expansion of the brand's uh, luxury level so mm -hmm. stores that also understands the brand yeah. and understands our vision and um goes in line with our vision and then it makes sense because then they have the same customer and it's going to be better for everyone in the end so i think that was mm. yeah that was like mm. probably the the biggest thing in the company mm. for sure Interesting. So the challenges that came with digitalization and the challenges that came through explosive growth and demand that it yeah. unadvertently attracted you to start making decisions based on something that was against the foundation, the foundational principles of the company or of the brand, I'm guessing. Summary. And, and what, what happened? What happened that came to that? Because usually it doesn't happen that way. Usually growth is because you're doing something right with your principles, right? And it's just that... What so thought? what happened was actually, I mean, it, I mean, to be honest, uh, me and my sister, uh, my sisters, uh, all three of us were in a room, and we were, oh, none of us was wearing Dagmar anymore. Mm. It was yeah. kind of clear, and we were standing before a meeting, and everyone says, "Why are you not wearing Dagmar?" I'm like, "Oh, it's not for me anymore." I said, and Karen said the same, and Christina said the same. 
why are we doing this if no one wants to wear the clothes anymore? Yeah, it's a good good question we said. And that's when we kind of pulled the break a bit and started to just, okay, we have to sit down and talk to ourselves. What are we doing? Uh, why did we start this? Who's our customer if we're not wearing it anymore? And uh, we have to just rethink, uh, go back to the old, to the roots, uh, why we even started this. And we actually, and that's, uh, that's what I started actually this whole conversation about that I said that we were quiet for a few years because that's mm. when we didn't want any PR about us. We didn't want any magazines almost to say anything about us. We were very quiet for a few years, did a rebranding, changed a lot within the company. And uh, now we feel more confident than ever. And I think we have did a great change. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, it was a, an identity crisis. Interesting. Yeah. And and what made you originally, What's what did you learn about going through that process? I mean, because I'm guessing growth happened and you just listened to whatever that growth was coming from, that customer, whatever they were saying, and you adapted your business and your vision based on that. But that what created that inorganic momentum at the very beginning? No, I think, I mean, the change, if you mean the change, like how we did it or- Yeah, yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to understand why did your, why did you start making those wrong decisions? The financial incentive and the growth incentive was there, right? But- It's a demand from the buyers, from the customers. So mm, if you have okay. a lot of like, stores right. that want certain products from you and you, you're you designing a collection and they only buy like- 10%. Uh, 10% of the collection and they want more of that type of 10%. Yeah. And perhaps that is not the products that you are thinking that the brand should stand for. And then mm. you're like in going wrong with the, with of course. the brand. Yeah, no, and, that makes sense. That yeah. was like one of the things. And I think what we actually did as well, we stopped the sell, selling to a lot of stores. We took really made the company much smaller. Um, we changed a lot within the company. Um, we went back a lot in um, turnover. But that we did because we took that step. And that was mm. very important for us because we did not want to show ourselves wrong in any moment. Then, then we went back. And what we learned from that, what I feel what we've been doing now is that we've been so clear. Like mm. this is exactly the, the way we're going to go. And there's no small turnings to left or right. We just have to go straight now and only do that. And I think mm. that's been, and the learning from this last three years it's that really go the way you and I believe in now and not listen to anyone else <laughs> of course the team that we yeah, work with the because team. they are in yeah. the team and understand but a close team we, we of course listen to we have a very great team actually and but yeah. and just follow exactly what we have decided to to build and believe in ourselves believe and our vision yeah. and stick to it and as you said that's before. the most important and this mm. has I think we have, uh, and now three years later, we are on a good path. We we can really see that all this work has been um, finalized in a very good. Uh, we are in a good place now. We now feel. we wear the clothes again. <laughs> now we wear the clothes, <laughs> but also, I mean, the turnover the last two years have almost doubled, and we can see that uh, both that the people we want to wear the brand is actually wearing them, and we can see the the customer very clear and we can also see the turnover the figures are also mm, showing. of course yeah they, they're correlated with that interesting yeah it's mm. um 
it's interesting how the evolution of identity sort of like happens, right? Because everybody has their own personal identity and there's some insecurity or that that causes you to start changing that. Insecurities in business tend to be, you know, cash, cash flow problems, uh, financial ambitions, investors. Um, and through making those bad decisions, you learn and become more, even more confident about who you were at the very, very beginning. And if you manage to transition and learn from that experience, you can have a very newfound and solidified vision of who you are as people, but also who you are as brands. Because I mean, in a dynamic like yours, House of Dogma is literally an extension of who you three guys are. And That's true. And I think if you are the creator of a brand and building a brand, you have to really to stick and, and be, be true to yourself and believe in yourself and stick to it, not listen too much to other people because they don't have your vision on they don't see what you what your vision of it. So mm. it's so important because we knew our vision and a lot of uh, like the first uh, two years, the board was like, well, what is the brand? What is the, uh, what do you want with the brand? And they didn't really understand it. And we had such a clear vision today. No one is asking about that. I mean, mm. everyone, everyone is very clear in the company, in the board and everything. So it, it's nice that we finally like nailed it. <laughs> mm. Interesting. Awesome. And what, um, I guess the question that I want to ask you is, what is this new foundation? How is it different from, from what it is originally? Or it's the same that it was originally? I think we probably went back a lot to it, what it was originally, yeah. for sure. Mm. And just kind of reclaimed our brand, mm. it feels like, yeah. uh, and the vision. So I think we're just uh, doing it maybe a bit more stronger now and I have like a clear path to the original plan. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And who, what is How's the Dogma now that you've had this experience to go through, to reflect, to learn? What is How's the Dogma now? What do you want it to become in the future? I mean, what it hopefully is, as you said today, hopefully it could empower the new generations of influential women. That's, you know, uh, our goal uh, for sure. But with that said, we want people to feel comfortable wearing our clothes and feel modern and feel um, how can you say uh, yeah modern and confident and strong and I think what Dagmar is today is it's a minimalistic brand from Stockholm with a feminine touch and uh, with a certain edge to it and I think uh, if we're going to work with sustainability and also be a fashion brand, kind of that's it's a bit difficult because they don't really correlate sometimes. <laughs> but uh, if we can try to do that in the best possible way we can, and that is to try to design product that lives for a long time. So it has to then be classic enough for, for the piece to be in your wardrobe many, many years. It also has to be edgy enough because otherwise you don't want it to be in your wardrobe for many, many years because then it becomes boring. Mm -hmm. So it's that meeting point between being classic and edgy. That's very, very important for a brand because we the best, I think, like recipe that we've done something right is when people come up to us and say, I've been wearing your things for the last past 10 years and it's still amazing. Mm. I mean, that's when we have succeeded, I think. Yeah. From the design have, perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we we also 
I mean, we had a vision that people should have our products as their favorites in their wardrobe. And now we hear so often that they say, oh, I, this is my still my favorite after five years or something. Mm. And can't you do it again because I love it or something? That and I mean, like that's nice great. Thing. And then, of course, the quality has to work as well to make that happen. So that mm. has to be enough. And then it has to be produced in a conscious way according to all type of measurements and regulations and certifications and all of that. So I think it's all of these combinations. That's what makes Dagmar today. Of course. Yeah. The, um, a long no, 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 it makes a lot of sense. So the, the newfound ambition of the vision needs to be communicated effectively and the expectations need to be met through product quality service. Mm -hmm. So exactly. with the existing relationship that the customers have with the brand, whether it be through product, channels, marketing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Wow, interesting. And what piece of advice would you give your younger selves or each other if you were at that specific moment in time? Because I think that is a, it's almost, it's almost such a difficult and common challenge for big brands that I'm starting to think that it's almost impossible for people to avoid it if they don't go through the experience. So mm -hmm. what, what piece of advice, what piece of knowledge, what piece of principles do you think could have maybe prevented you to go down this path from the very, very beginning? I mean, I, I think business-wise, I think as in all business, it doesn't matter if it's the fashion business or any other business, but trying to have a focus, you know, just not do everything at the same time. You're really like excited. You want to do shoes. You want to do clothes, perhaps shoes brand. I heard a shoes brand. They Now they started to do a clothing collection mm. and it costs a lot and it's uh, something totally different. So of course. And it doesn't turn out to be so well and they are like losing a lot of money. So, I mean, trying to be focused and if you have your customer very clear, maybe then you can add products because then you have the style of the customer. You know, she has her style. She knows you as a brand and you can give her more type of products within that style as we do mm -hmm. now. We have added shoes and stuff. But I mean, not, I mean, don't try to do everything at the same time. Try, try to do one thing at the time. Hmm. And when it's well, then you add things on the way. Hmm. I think that is very important yeah. to manage because you you are probably a few people in the beginning. You don't have a lot of money. And have a, I think, have a strong focus and a strong mind in what you want to do and what you want to achieve. And if you have that written down, try to go for it and not be mm. too scared to take in too much information from and everyone else who you might believe are much more of bigger experts in your field mm. because I think you are where you are for a certain reason and you start what you want to start for a certain reason and mm. if someone is doing whatever they must have some type of knowledge because that's why they want to start doing shoes jewelry uh, whatever they want to do and then they they know something believe in that believe in what you know and you can everyone can do it you just have to have patience and be focused i mm. think mm. Okay. interesting so focus on product focus on infrastructure focus on what you're communicating what about being focused on the markets that you're serving to yeah 100 percent. you have to know your customer i think that's probably the most mm. well that goes in my focus uh 
yeah. thing. Yeah. So if you're so a Swedish brand, focus yeah, on Sweden. No. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't have to be like that. I think uh, you have to just know your customer. For us, it's our customer. She lives, uh, we have like a clear vision how she is mm. and where she is. And she lives everywhere around the world. She's the same person in New York as in London, as in Stockholm, as in Paris. Mm. But the inspiration for our woman is from here in Stockholm. Mm. But the person who lives her lifestyle and wants to look like her, she lives in different parts of the world, which is fantastic. Right. So as long as you have a certain... You have to know yeah, yeah. What does she want? What does she like to eat do how does she look what where does she go or what does she work with i don't know all of mm. these small things if you can put like little vision on who she is maybe it's easier to create for that person i mean uh, honestly you do quite a lot what you like what you your vision <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> we tend to do that yes yeah. that's what uh, you buy into when you buy dagma you buy a lot it's a creative director or I mean, we, of course, do a lot of things together, but I mean, it is like your vision of your life that you are creating. And that, I mean, we, you are, we are traveling a lot and traveling around the world, meeting women the same type of as us. Mm. And that's so nice to see that they are the same type in New York, in Paris, in London. And, and it's for these women we are doing the clothes, actually. Interesting. And after all these years, who is your continuous teacher? Who do you look for for new lessons? Is it the customer? Is it yourselves? Is it a mentor? Is it another brand that you admire? What continuous what continuous source of influence or learning do you do you do you use? Good question, actually. Uh, for me, I think it's a lot with a lot of my my crowd around me. A lot of mm. very smart friends around me who we always discuss discuss uh, have big discussions about work and what we like what we don't like and my friend group and uh, I think are my biggest influence and uh, my biggest they're tough for me they tell me if we're not doing anything right if they're they're asking me how, why did you work with that uh, photographer or that uh, you know stylist or designer or whatever it could be I'm just you know giving some points up but they they could tell me and I think that's really important that you surround yourself with people who are honest and so I think that's that's been important for me to have great people around me but also learning by doing it's a very yeah yeah and yeah and inspiration is I mean also our colleagues uh, are very inspiring uh, and we are um, I mean creating all this together with a good team so yeah for sure Hmm. Interesting. And going to the digitalization sort of like change in the industry, because at this point, it's almost like it was a curse, but it was also a blessing in disguise, right? Because COVID did push it really, really quickly, but it's starting to be a lot stronger now than it used to be before. So um, what did you learn through that experience mostly? But we did this like change that we did, we did just before COVID. So maybe like a year before COVID happened, we had already sat down, started the process of doing a change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest reason why we went through the whole COVID situation with the brand. I'm not sure if we would have been in the same situation today if we hadn't started that process much earlier. Mm. So that was just, it, it was very good for us. Good timing for us. It was actually. good timing. And we kind of, Since uh, we wanted to be quiet anyway and be very 
relaxed in everything we did. It mm-hmm. was working good for us. Yeah, we just uh, sat by our in the office and worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was actually fun. I mean, we could even get new customers from uh, South Korea, from US, even though it, they never met us, they never saw the collection, and they still were placing orders digitally. Hmm. <laughs> kind of interesting time for fashion because normally people want to see, of course. I mean, that was a, a must, but suddenly people just bought on digital. Do you feel excited about that transition overall? Optimistic, pessimistic, do you think? The positive thing I think that came out of COVID, I'm not sure how much it had to do with COVID, but what happened was that people became much more cautious of how they started to buy the clothes. Mm. So the sustainability mm. part became, uh, a, in Sweden at least, a much bigger topic. The in, I mean, we've been working with this forever. We have never heard anyone ask us about sustainability, about our qualities, how we have been working. I mean, that has not been the biggest topic uh, that people have been talking to us about. But now things have started to really um, come. It came out much bigger after mm-hmm. COVID and people are taking much more bigger responsibilities. Uh, brands are having this as a priority. I think um, that's been the best yeah, from my perspective consumers are more conscious about their choices yeah it feels like people are buying less and this is the whole idea of our our business that buy less but buy thoughtful i mean mm. invest in a, a few pieces that you can wear much more and long for a longer term so i mean the whole idea with the participating to a better climate and and the environment is to actually consume less. We have to start shop less. That is so important. And I think that's what people have done, actually, being more conscious. Mm. I don't know. Don't you think so? Yeah, 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 definitely. So Mm. first thing was to find yourselves. Second thing was to rediscover your customer. Third thing was to rebuild a relationship between your genuine self and your genuine customer. And then it was a matter of analyzing the external environment that was very digitalized and just creating the right channels for you to adapt to it. Mm. Yeah. Good summary. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for a while. I've gotten a lot of practice. We have done the last couple of years. You just still like, okay, good. <laughs> uh, it'd be bad if I'd been doing this for years and I didn't have practice but yeah yeah it's comes with the job comes with the job okay. interesting and overall over that process did you feel that you also evolved improved as a family in different ways or it's because yeah. the family has been always so strong that you managed to go through the process productively i think probably the last so I think because we're very strong family and very strong family bonds. I think, of course, you go through certain paths in your life that you go through certain parts that makes you feel a certain way. And uh, there is children and, you know, all these different things. I think because we're a strong family, have strong fundamentals, I think that's the reason why we also came out on the other side and we all wanted to do this vision we all felt this was the yeah. only way for Dagmar to mm. move forward yeah, yeah I think it's 
it could have been much more difficult if you were not a family you and I working on this path now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a strength that we had each other and we're like doing it together. If if, if it's has been very good. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, it's a testament to the, and you, you guys can probably attest to this to the the power of brand and how it permeates not only product but individuals, both customers and founders. Because brand, brand is such a fascinating thing because it can be so powerful, but it's like reputation. One really bad decision, one miscommunication internally with decision makers, one file over vision or, or non-complimentary values, and it can ruin everything. So it takes a very, very solidified and productive relationship internally to make those decisions at scale correctly. Mm. True. Very true. Interesting. And when looking at everything that you guys have gone through over the last 20 years, what has continuously proven to be the most important things over and over again? Because I'm, I'm based, of course, the world and the landscape change and brands evolve and technology evolves. But I'm guessing the principles and the most important things are just kind of the same, just dressed in different ways. Um, I think, I mean, uh, work-wise uh, together for you and I has been that we are like always talking and always going back to like what we have in mind, our discuss together with each other that we have each other has been very helpful you know that we always i have a problem with this you have a problem with that we, we are having each other in a way has been the best part and then of course sticking to the idea that we now had sticking to that not not leave from that path has been so important and there has been some questionings around oh, the we're way. questioned all the time it yeah. feels like but we just have to be but we're like we, we are very strong now together and believe in each other in this so i think that has been the strength that questioning from outside here and there have we are like we have each other's back there and and that has helped the company actually in mm. a way of course too to come where we are today of course yeah so it's a, a strong founder dynamic which leads to a better support system which leads to better decisions in the short and long term of the company because it is easier to make right decisions if there's a lot of people bringing in objective feedback and the same vision versus just one guy or one female looking at the business their own their, their lens their own mistakes etc cetera, etc cetera. I think also just to add, I think to to find a team that really understands your vision and your goal and mm. um, that really goes the same path as we do without questioning and really understanding mm. has also been a game changer. I think we have a great team today that really understands uh, the your concept vision, and yeah. our vision. Mm. So I think that's been fantastic also. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Very much easier mm. to work. Yeah. yeah. And yes. how do you filter people that genuinely have that vision versus people that just want the job and have a great curriculum, but don't have the passion for the vision? I, see, this is the most difficult to find mm. the right people, mm. right? 20 yeah. years. 
no but uh, it's super difficult no we had many great people uh, along the way of course but i think uh, what's great now is like the whole team is a great it's a great teamwork Mm. and people have great respect for each other and um have great understanding of the vision and the goal and i think how to find that yeah it's really to i mean try to ask the right questions try to make them i mean um ideas of how they see the brand and their vision and things like that i think has helped us a lot of course yeah and it also yeah go ahead sorry no but i mean and also you have to try i mean you have to try to work and if if it doesn't work, then we have also learned that, okay, let's uh, break here and it's not the end of the world mm. and uh, people can continue. We have a lot of nice colleagues that has left Dagmar, but we're still very good friends with everybody, almost everybody. So it's, it's so nice to have the old Dagmar staff mm. out there supporting too even though we're not leagues today. So yeah, that is also nice. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And it also, I mean, it could also be a testament to the importance of most of the conversation, which is knowing who you are as a brand and staying true to that. Because if you do that successfully, it's not, it's going to organically attract people that are attracted to that vision. And then your role is just to filter out people that just want a job because it's a well-known brand versus people that were attracted to the brand because you they believed in what the vision is mm. but again it's it's it, it just comes to show how why it is so important to have those right foundations because it permeates everything it permeates yeah. your distribution partnerships it permeates your customer it permeates your yeah. own relationship with yourself the business yeah. its operations its employees and that's why everything slowly but consistently starts you can have a yeah. business that's been, you know, very, very solid, but eventually it, it rots itself if the foundations are not true to what they originally were. Yeah, so true. Interesting. And when it comes to balancing building those right foundations versus growth after having those right foundations, what have you noticed to be the most important thing to transition from one to the other because that is a challenge right it's we have the right foundations and then we have growth and because of the chaotic nature of growth foundations can be altered or affected so how do you manage those transitions what is very important to know or to understand when you're going to especially i'm guessing that's kind of like the period where you're going going at now is okay we went through the process before we made the mistake because growth changed our foundations but what are we going to do now that we rehab, we rebuilt our foundations to have productive growth in the future? I think there's so many different things you could do. But one is, of course, to also learn how to say no mm. to collaborations, to um, uh, wholesalers that are not the right for us, uh, who um, to different types of, I think in everything we do, in every type of collaboration that Dagmar is going to to be sitting together with what type of situation it is, it has to be right for the brand. So rather not do it if it's not 100% Dagmar. Mm, I, yeah, think that's, I think that's like the, the most important, not just to be happy for someone asking if we could do something together and do it. It has to really, really work uh, with the brand and um, cohere with our, yeah, our we, woman. We, yeah, we're and here. she has to be inspired. Yeah. Yeah, that's our goal the whole time to inspire our woman in so many different ways. And 
if we do something that doesn't inspire her, then we have not succeeded, I guess. But we can also not be for everyone. So we heard that you have to widen your, broaden your target group. Of course. And it's a very difficult balance. Yeah. So we can't, I mean, we have decided we shall not be for everyone. <laughs> that is the best decision we ever took. I, I mean, for everyone as an end customer, yes, we're just happy that if everyone loves our brand, but yeah. we have to have a target who we aim for. Yeah. And then if that comes yeah. out to everyone else, of course, then we're more than happy for everyone that. But invited, of course. <laughs> but I think we have to have a clear vision and super strong goal of who we are aiming for. I mean, we can't consider in everyone as a target group because then we would like be very uh, unclear of the our vision. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So this has also been a part of building a brand and hearing from everyone who wants to broaden the target group or they want to us to do some uh, uh, think outside the box crazy do some crazy things and we are like you hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> and uh, think uh, crazy things uh, can be in our little box perhaps but um Sometimes it's also good for us to hear and be kicked in the ass to to take uh, some steps that we don't normally do. So yeah, for it's, sure, it's fun. Yeah, we have to. Everyone has to be pushed a certain yeah. way, as long as it's, it's the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's almost like entrepreneurs are are interesting because uh, we listen to everything, yet we ignore everything, and we mostly learn because we messed up, not because somebody warned us about it. Uh, that's what I've come to realize. Learning by doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I've 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 always said it because it is, I mean, you see you hear people the importance of making mistakes, but it really is because there's no almost if you're an entrepreneur, you're not gonna learn if you don't put your hand on the fire. And as long as you avoid catastrophic mistakes, you know, uh you'll sort of be all right in the long term. That's just how the process looks like. For sure. And what about, a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, but there's, there's always a way out. I mean, there's been so many situations where I've felt like, okay, maybe how will we get out of this situation? But I feel like we always find a way somehow. And I think that's also something just not give, give up, you mm -hmm. know, just go continue to go until the, well, it's not possible anymore. It's like, there's always a way. <laughs> Oh, that's a super entrepreneur <laughs> thoughts. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, and uh, what about when you have you know board pressures? How do you did you restructure your board? Because I mean, those incentives are there, and investors rarely change. You know, because they have a completely set of incentives usually, unless it's the the right investor from the very beginning, which is another mistake that people tend to make very often. So. How do you manage that process in a new in this new stage of of, we, of change? We have, we have some investors in the company that is super supporting, and we mm. uh, feel very great about them. Actually, we have a really good contact, and uh, they are trusting us a lot and uh, supporting. So we so that is one good great. part, yeah, mm. and also in the board, we feel at this moment for. Not the first time, maybe, but one of I feel really confident. Everyone is there. We have a great discussions, and mm. but I also think that we are stronger together now than we've ever been, probably. So it's it's also if we are strong in our opinion, our way, and 
have a clear path, it's also easier for everyone else to understand us and to trust us, I mm. think. Mm. Interesting. And when it comes to, because uh, I mean, it's a, it's a brand, very well-established brand, but it's still relatively a small team, right? What is it? 35 to 50 people, roughly. 30. And, and the, the resources from a team perspective are kind of limited, especially based on the, how strong the brand is right now. So when it comes to finding the right partners, uh, do you, do you think everything is better if you manage to, to grow very, very, I'm trying to understand what's your whole mindset on growth now? Because again, it's a brand with a lot of growth potential. Yeah, it's a small team. So is it more about patiently hiring everybody that you think is right for the culture? Is it more about finding the right international partners to help you sort of like balance growth versus patience? Because it's how do you how do you how are you making those decisions? Is it also based on do they understand the customer? What's the how you how are you making those decisions? Or what are you thinking about all of this in general? Well, great awesome. question. Kind of many questions at the same time, but let's see. Yeah, but I, mean, I think it's uh, I think it's a bit like the the last point that you said. I think it's a combination, a bit of growing much more internationally now and building the brand at the same time hiring people because I feel like we have a great fundament now to grow as well yeah. where we are now. Uh, we we have a few places where we need to fill but I think we we feel that we are quite good for now and I think we don't need many more people in order to take the next step in growth and I think there is like a, a next step where we could reach with a few more places to fill and then we could go quite far from that place but then mm. it's like the next step again and then it's a different then it's a different situation mm. so I think it's like you have to see it in different types of uh, steps, steps. Mm -hmm. yeah and we have to take it step by step, basically, mm. at this point. Interesting. And are you thinking about the steps more in terms of markets or strategies, channels, people? In growth, I in think. Growth. Yes. Mm. Steps in growth and in, in people to be able to make that growth happen, of course. Mm. Mm. But then, of course, the markets and the strategies goes into that. But I think the strategy is quite clear and it's quite strong in the company at this moment. I think that's quite set now. We've been working a lot with that, and I feel we're, we're strong in what we're doing. But mm. now we need to um, have some growth in the company and and grow internationally as well. I think that's where I mean we're growing quite a lot through like the the um, we can see that the consumer is like really yeah the consumer accepted the brand quite easily. So we're growing on our website with new new people coming in and uh, also like uh, social media is growth and but what we need is to find the right uh, partners in in um, retailers that mm. we can so that is going that to we be, feel works for the brand and that's yeah. going to cohere with yeah brand. yeah mm. I mean we have actually changed the whole uh, distribution strategy so all those partners we have now today are super much aligned with the brand and the the position we have and uh, it's it feels when we are working with them it's so easy it's just like selling out uh, they have the right customer really like buying into Dagmar we just mm -hmm. had a look in New York in a store and they sold out everything in the first 
two and a half weeks. So it was like, wow, uh, okay, here we have the customers. So it's very easy now when we have done the, this rebranding and uh, select the new uh, like partners in uh, in stores. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it feels like it's just a smooth path in a way. So we, we have we reached, we have reached our new. customer yeah. more or yeah. less and yeah. not everywhere but like in a few places yeah. and when that uh, meets i think that's when it becomes really good yeah of course yeah the newfound okay the, okay the the rebuild foundations attract better relationships uh which therefore attracts better end consumers mm -hmm. uh, interesting that that's definitely i mean that's a simple yet deep uh, i think strategy from a sales perspective but what about from a communications perspective what do you what do you think has been the most productive recently has it been collaborations is it just being very uh controlling with advertising and social media content what is what do you think is the most productive thing to go about growth i mean as you say we're a small brand we don't have any money for any big collaborations any big marketing activities we have been growing quite organically, I must so, say. Yeah, only, only it's organically, but just also quite um, showing the brand, mm -hmm. the, the life of the brand. That is the only thing we're doing. And, and of course, uh, some people want to wear Dagmar, and I think we have also there, as as we said in in, in growing the brand, we have also been choosing the right partners to work with to wear our clothes, and I think that's also been something that we've changed that we have really met our Dagmar woman also in person many times and I think that's very important to have the right person mm. because she inspires our woman and it's going to go quite easily mm. the wheel mm. yes yeah yep just like a human relationship who are you will attract better friendships yeah. as a business who you are will attract better customers and better partners yeah very true interesting awesome so just to sort of like wrap up this entire episode and i did ask you this question before but i'm gonna ask it again a little bit more in a broader sense um what do you think is the most important piece of advice anybody could have given you in the, at the time that you most needed it and it could have been from a business perspective it could have been a personal piece of advice maybe with the relationship that you have with yourself with your family uh, with the business, what would have? I wish I had a stronger, stronger knowledge about building a brand when we started. Mm. How yeah. important all these details are, and how yeah. how important it is to stay focused. Yeah, that uh, we kind of uh, we're a bit all over the place. Uh, we were, <laughs> and now we have the close to us loops. Uh, we have like yeah. We are much more uh, yeah. focused. But to have focused. a, yeah, that, I wish someone told me that mm -hmm. a few years <laughs> So it's almost as if it's a, a combination of focus on your identity, discipline on your identity, and patience on growth. Yeah. That was great. And that was, that was really good. And I think that's, this is what's, this is what's cool about having organic conversations that the most important things to communicate are always repetitive. Right, the consistent importance of consistency and brand on originality and authenticity on brand and on patience. But because they're so simple, 
ideas, but so difficult to learn. It's almost that you need to like listen to them over and over and over and over again for it to actually dive through them. So I think that's going to be great. A great lesson for my listeners, for sure. I know it's even though I, I understand it superficially, it's something that almost everybody needs to learn more about. Uh, so just to end this, this in, 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 in our conversation, I cannot thank you enough for sharing everything that you did share today. Uh, and I can't, I, I look forward to maybe my listeners making the same mistakes so that they can learn about how the process actually looks like. Thank you for having thank us. So it was much. really great. And um, I must say you have a lot of great questions and yeah. I love all your summaries. It's yeah. making it clear for us like, oh, is that what we've been doing actually? <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I'll take the compliment. I'll take the compliment. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Super nice. Thank you for doing this.